Nurture versus nature. Are some people born to kill? Or are we taught to think like killers? With warning signs as early as five, you'd think somebody would step in before 17 young men's bones were used as decoration and their flesh used as meals. The Milwaukee monster was a nightmare walking before we even knew it. Stalking clubs for 13 years only to be caught by a lone Polaroid. This is the story of the Milwaukee monster or better known as Jeffrey Dahmer. Hi guys, I'm your host Lulu and welcome back to my podcast. I'm actually really excited about this short series that we are covering. Um, I've been wanting to cover this for a long time and I actually tried to record it once before and absolutely hated it. So hopefully this time around goes a little better than the last time. And I'm not sure how many people listen to the very end of the podcast. But if you did, you would hear that there is a disclaimer at the end that talks about just how I've done all the research on my own and that there might be false or misleading information. I am still going to put that at the end of this episode, but I also wanted to put one at the beginning. Now, I'm not sure how true this is. This might be what we do moving forward with our serial killer cases that are more recent. So in the past, and I can't remember if it was this case specifically or another serial killer case that I have listened to, the families have actually taken the person covering it to court for misleading information. So right off the bat, I want to state that nothing in this podcast should be taken as fact. We kind of do this as like a news source is what you would call it where I just compile a bunch of different information and I just pretty much cover the case for you to listen to so you don't have to go to a million different places to find, you know, the information you're looking for. And when we start to get into the victims that were taken by Jeffrey Dahmer, we are not going to say their names. I really, I hate when we can't focus on the victims because they are victims they're not just Jeffrey Dahmer's number but just because it's so recent and just you know so everybody involved does not get in trouble or anything we're gonna go ahead and leave the names out if you do wish to follow along with the names you can just look them up it's very easy and then any other you know news article will give you their names Also, side note, my newborn refuses to nap again today, so if you hear any weird grunting or coos in the background, yeah, that's him. He's just, I guess he just wants to be part of the podcast. And I also wanted to put a fun little announcement in here. So behind the scenes for some time, I've been working on my website. Um, I still feel like there are some corners that need to be rounded in it and obviously those kind of things. But it's officially up. It's confessedobsessed.com if you want to go check it out. And on there, I have all the series broken down. I've got the episodes on there that I've covered. And they have all of my sources. So if you're interested in looking at sourcing or anything like that, you can go ahead and see where I've gotten 
all of it for on these episodes. And I also have a little tab called request a case. Now, eventually, that will be a forum that you can fill out directly on the website. But for right now, I just have an email in there that you guys can request cases on. So if you're interested, you can check that out and you can request some cases. And I would love to start doing some listener requested cases. I've also slowly been creating some social media. Now, I'm not the best at social media. I've kind of always been one of those people that creeps and reads everybody else's posts and likes them, and I never post anything myself. So I've really had to try to like actually post things. So I will get better, but if you do wanna go follow me on some of those platforms that I have created, they are also linked on the website. But yeah, with that being said, and you know, all the announcements and everything, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. So Jeffrey Dahmer was born on May 21st, 1960 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. His parents were Lionel and Joyce Dahmer. Now Jeffrey's mother, she was a typewriting instructor and she would often teach people different methods of typewriting as well as just improving their typewriting. And she was recorded in many different articles that I read about how she was very depressed. And I guess she actually tried to commit suicide once by taking a bunch of pills, but that obviously did not succeed. And that shows you how depressed his mother was. Now, a little while after she had tried to commit suicide, she actually got pregnant with her second child. During that pregnancy, she could tell that Jeffrey was having a very hard time with it. Um, And then in turn to her, it made her pregnancy a lot harder. Now, I can see with her being depressed, and maybe she was excited about this baby, and then she noticed her first just wasn't. How that would just really amplify those feelings of hopelessness in her. And I really feel for Jeffrey's mother in this situation. No mother should have to feel like that. When we got pregnant with our second, our daughter was so excited. And I'm so glad I never had to deal with the fact that she didn't want the baby, if that makes any sense. And I guess Jeffrey's father had said during this second pregnancy, she was having these weird bouts of partial paralysis. She ended up getting a ton of testing done by a lot of different doctors but none of them could figure out what was causing her issues. And they ended up giving her a lot of injections to uh, relax her and hopefully calm these issues down. And one of those included things like morphine and they didn't seem to help very much. And I know that this episode is not about, you know, her second or Jeffrey's brother, but Injecting somebody who is pregnant with a lot of different things, including morphine, I just feel like is very much not a good idea. And it really makes me wonder, I mean, maybe it didn't do anything to her second, but if it did anything to Jeffrey's brother, just being injected with that kind of stuff. So now we'll move on to Jeffrey's father. He was a chemist. He had actually obtained his certification from the Marquette University 
and he really enjoyed teaching his sons, especially Jeffrey, about the different kind of solutions that could be created and what they could do. One of the reasons that he loved to teach Jeffrey is that Jeffrey always seemed excited to learn. He always wanted to know about these different things. He always asked his dad all these questions. And it made his dad excited to, you know, to give that knowledge to somebody else. Little did he know, Jeffrey was not interested in the way that he thought he was. Jeffrey would later use almost all of the things that his father had taught him in his crimes. And that really sucks for Jeffrey's father to feel like he could share this information and that his son was honestly interested when really he, maybe he was at the time, but moved on to using it for not great things. And they actually have a great example of the two and one of their conversations. One instance, while they were sitting down eating as a family, Jeffrey, out of the blue, asked his father what the outcome of putting the chicken bones that were left over from their dinner into bleach and what that would do. Jeffrey's father informed him that it actually would preserve the bones for a very, very long time. He explained all of the reasons why. And this really leaves me to wonder if Jeffrey maybe was thinking about killing at a young age. And maybe he was just thinking about animals and preserving animals, but it's just, to me, that is a very weird thing to be asking, especially at a dinner table at such a young age, and then to just go on and kill. But at this point, he is not here for us to ask him. And so we will never really know if that is when these thoughts started. Going back to his dad's career, because he was a chemist, it often left him away from home for long periods of time. And when Jeffrey's father would be home, 99% of his time was spent with his wife trying to help her out with that depression. This obviously, with the new baby, left Jeffrey feeling very, very alone. He felt very much like he needed to fight for his family to pay attention to him. He just really felt like he was in a competition with his whole family, including this brand new baby, to get any sort of attention. And no child should feel like they have to compete against anybody for attention. That's, that's kind of heartbreaking if you think about it. The funny thing to me is that Jeffrey's father would spend most of his time with his mother, correct? So you'd think that they were just head over heels and he was doing everything he could to make her feel better. Well, that was not the case. They actually did not have a healthy or happy relationship, which also probably contributed to his mother's depression even more. Now, as you know, when a kid wants your attention, they often start to act out. Um, they will learn quickly that any bad thing that they do, they'll get in trouble for, and you will give them that attention. Even if it's negative, they still want it. And this kind of happened to Jeffrey, and he started acting out a lot during his adolescence. 
And this in turn ended up leaving Jeffrey very isolated from others. He really didn't want to form any sort of attachments because he did see how his family grew up and how toxic his parents were to each other. And I don't blame him for watching and being in this really bad environment while growing up and becoming almost scared to create any kind of relationship. At this point in Jeffrey's life, we are about to the puberty stage. During this stage, Jeffrey has talked about how he started having a lot of homosexual thoughts. Now, it's never been outright said that Jeffrey was gay. But instead of going to his parents when he felt like this, he decided, because it was a shameful thing, that he was just going to kind of ignore it. And because he didn't have a lot of friends, because he grew up very isolated, he didn't really have anybody to talk about it and really help him cope through those feelings. And later on, when Jeffrey had been arrested, he would talk about how this is about the time where his fantasies began to shift from just normal fantasies to much darker ones. He would talk about how he began to think about a lot of murder. And at this point, he also began fantasizing about necrophilia. And Jeffrey knew immediately that these were wrong. Um, he would try and combat these thoughts by drinking excessive amounts of alcohol at a very young age. This, in turn, obviously ended up affecting his schoolwork and his grades. And he even started to bring alcohol to school. He would either store the bottle in his locker or he would end up taking it to class. And as soon as his peers found out about this, they stared even farther away from Jeffrey, which made him even more isolated. But somehow his family didn't seem to notice that he was spiraling down a very dark path. Now, whether that was because they were just too busy or that they just didn't care, we don't really know. In 1962, the family ended up moving to Iowa because Jeffrey's father had an opportunity to work on his PH in chemistry. And only two years after moving there, Jeffrey ended up getting diagnosed with a double hernia in his scrotum. Now, a lot of people want to connect his later actions to this diagnosis and this surgery. Some people feel like when a child has to suffer that much pain and that much of a surgery in such a sensitive area that it will affect them later on. They also claim that it could have left him feeling inadequate or very insecure about his performance. Now, I personally am not sure how I feel about that idea. Jeffrey was already showing a lot of really scary warning signs before the surgery, so I really don't think this surgery had anything to do with what he would move on to do. But after this surgery, his father claims this is where he noticed a change. He talks about how Jeffrey became very shy and introverted, 
he really didn't want to talk to anybody, especially anybody new or really experience any new type of things. But his family failed to notice him spiraling in the first place. When he started taking alcohol to school and his grades started dropping, So I'm not really sure how much I believe the idea that they noticed a change in him at this time. And two years after his surgery, his family uprooted again, and they actually moved a couple more places at this point. They were really trying to find a place that they wanted to settle, and just nothing really felt right at the time. Now, in 1965, His father claims that a young boy had sexually assaulted Jeffrey at this point. But when they asked about this later, Jeffrey had no reflection or memory of this. But I do know being abused or sexually assaulted like that can cause repressed memories. And it can also cause a lot of pent-up anger. So it really could have happened. And because Jeffrey was so young and scared, his brain could have repressed that thought and it could be preventing him from remembering the event. It really makes me wonder though where Jeffrey's father got this idea from. Because if Jeffrey had told him, you'd think that Jeffrey would be able to remember that situation. So maybe his father walked in on it Or maybe it wasn't true in the first place. I guess we don't really know for sure. Now, this is the point in time where Jeffrey's fascination with bones and anatomy really started to grow. He would often watch his father clear their property of the dead animal bodies. And he would pick the bones up. And he was just drawn towards these animals. He began walking down different roads and highways, and he would actually collect and pick up carcasses of multiple different animals and take them home. He really wanted to study these animals and practice preserving their bones. And soon after he began to collect and study these animals, he started getting some very violent tendencies towards them. It is recorded that at one point he got a hold of a dog. I'm not sure if the dog was alive or not at the time. And it is said that he removed the head of the dog and stapled the whole body to a tree in their yard. Now, this is a massive red flag. I feel like we come across this a lot. People, especially parents, will often ignore the red flags. They'll be one after another after another. And I get you thinking that your kid could do nothing wrong, but don't ignore the red flags. When they're there, they're there for a reason. There are warning signs. And it makes me wonder if at this point, when they had so many red flags for Jeffrey, if they could have gotten him help would have helped him and he wouldn't have taken 17 young men from this world but that's really playing the what if game we really don't know what could have happened because that's not what happened the red flags were ignored and we have another recorded instance 
where he decided to give one of the teachers that he actually liked a tadpole. But this teacher had never really talked about wanting one or even had a way to care for this tadpole. So when she received it from a student of hers, she knew somebody would have loved it that wasn't her. And she ended up giving it to another student in their grade. But when Jeffrey found out, he went into a rage. He actually went to the other kid's house, removed the tadpole from the house, and then he proceeded to dump gasoline on it and light it on fire. Here is another red flag that was ignored. We don't ignore the red flags. When we ignore the warning flags, things just get worse. And they definitely got worse in this situation. Now, I really quickly wanted to add just some interesting facts from when he was in high school. Jeffrey Dahmer was very intelligent, like a lot of serial killers. He was also interested in tennis and was actually part of the school band. He became very well known very quickly as one of the school's misfits. And people would often talk about the really dumb pranks that he would play on people. There's recorded cases of him doing things like making weird sounds at random times, barking at people. He liked to make animal noises to a lot of students. And there was one account where he faked an epileptic fit. Now, this is just some good examples of uh, when somebody acts out for attention. And Jeffrey, at this point, might have not necessarily been acting out for his family's attention. But if he would have kind of fell into a habit of acting out to get that attention at a young age, he probably never got out of it, if that makes any sense. Now, just with those interesting facts out of the way, we're going to hop back onto the timeline. By the time he had turned 16, he actually started thinking and planning his very first attack. There was a male jogger that Jeffrey would watch run past his house. Um, and Jeffrey got a fascination with him. And one day, he decided he was going to hide in the bushes with a baseball bat. The goal was when the jogger came by, he was going to hit him over the head with the bat and completely knock him out. Therefore, giving Jeffrey complete control over this jogger and he could finally live one of his fantasies. But luckily for that jogger, he never came by that day. So he either didn't go out that morning or decided to take a different route, which I can only imagine how that jogger would feel if, I mean, if he even knows that it was him that Jeffrey was targeting, just to one day change up a routine that you have been doing and you ended up missing a serial killer. This is why having a routine is one of the worst things you can do. For example, when I go somewhere like my mother's, I will always go a different route every time. That way, if somebody's ever watching me, I don't have a pattern because a pattern is easy to follow. 
Now, at this time, his high school graduation was coming up. His parents had actually decided, finally, to end their toxic marriage, and they announced that they were going to get a divorce. Now, I saw some weird, conflicting information here. I saw that he was living alone at this time, but I also read that his parents had decided to finally stick Jeffrey into therapy to try to help him cope. But I don't really understand how that would work unless they both moved out and left Jeffrey at the home alone. Because if he was old enough to be living alone at the time, his parents shouldn't be able to just throw him into therapy. But obviously, because this therapy was so late in his life and he had already been struggling with a lot of things at such a young age, this therapy did not get him anywhere either way. And a few weeks after his graduation was over, he ended up murdering his first victim. But we are actually going to get into that on the next episode. Today, we mostly just wanted to focus on Jeffrey and how he grew up and some of the conflicts he had when he was a child. But that's it for today's episode. And I will go ahead and see you guys in the next one. This podcast should not be taken as fact due to its risk of containing false or misleading information. All information shared has been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in learning more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. You can visit me at my website, confessedobsessed.com, for a list of my sources and to suggest your own case. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.